it never fails on most every retreat. You know, a guy will start off and he'll say something like this. Man, what I'm about to tell you guys, I've never told anybody before. And that's when I know we're really, we're really penetrating his heart and we're getting down to the meat of it. And he started, he started thinking about all the things that we talked about on that manhood discussion and about how you'll never be the kind of husband that God wants you to be. You'll never be the kind of father that God wants you to be until you have a relationship with his son, Jesus. Unfortunately, today there is a common theme across the board that generally speaking, men do not want to necessarily go to church. Sometimes the modern church environment can create awkward situations for so many men that they just simply don't want to go and they don't want to show up. And of course, that's going to do a lot of damage as far as their ability to be able to have a meaningful relationship with God and of course have a meaningful relationship with other men that have a priority to have a relationship with God. My guest today is Patrick Tyndall. Patrick is the founder and the operator of the men's ministry Ironman Outdoors. So Ironman Outdoors was founded on the idea that men need to get out into creation and they need to have spiritual interaction with God and with other men so that they can either begin their relationship with God or they can enhance their relationship with God. So it was created to be a solution to the problem that Sunday school classes typically don't see a whole lot of men. So the ministry was founded on the principle of Proverbs 27:17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that verse is so true for so many men and so many people in general, because without others, it's hard for us to have a continuing, ongoing relationship with, with each other. We have to sharpen each other. We have to be there for each other. And that's exactly what Patrick's ministry is founded upon. So I'm so glad you guys were able to join me today for the Rise Kill Eat podcast. My name is Tyler Pruitt. I am the host and I am the founder of this podcast. And it's my goal of this show to be able to reach out to people from all across the country and really all across the world and be able to share the conversations, the ideas, and the principles behind pursuing God, freedom, and the great outdoors. It's my goal in these conversations that I have with people to highlight those three things. Of course, God, freedom, and the great outdoors. And that's exactly what I did with Patrick today. Before we get into my conversation with Patrick, let me go ahead and ask you guys to connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram at the handle at Rise Kill Eat. So just like the name of the show, all lowercase, all together. I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash RKE afield. So that's RKE as in Rise Kill Eat and then afield. So you guys can connect with me on there and that would be greatly appreciated. I've been blessed to be able to have conversations with people from all across the world on this show, people from all kinds of backgrounds, and I'm really excited to be able to share this episode with you guys because this episode is going to be one that really brings to light a whole lot of different issues as far as, you know, specifically men in their relationships with God and the ministry that Patrick has created with Iron Man Outdoors is really providing a solution to some of the problems that, you know, a lot of wives and a lot of children see with their, their husbands and their fathers. So be sure to check out the show notes where I have some of the links to some more information on Patrick's ministry and be sure to check out some of the testimonials that are on Iron Man Outdoors website. All right. So let's go ahead and not waste any more time with announcements and let's jump right into my conversation with Patrick Tyndall of Iron Man Outdoors. 
but we will go ahead and get started here. I am sitting here with Patrick Tyndall of Ironman Outdoors, and Patrick, I am so glad that we were able to get connected. We were kind of talking a little bit before. You've got some ties to my hometown a little bit, and uh, it's pretty cool that we were able to meet now online over the computer right now, be able to meet right now and be able to discuss what you're doing in the outdoor uh, arena, I guess you could say. And then of course, with your ministry. So thank you so much for being on the Rice Kelly podcast with me. Thank you, Tyler. I'm, I'm honored to be here, man. appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. And we were kind of discussing too before that uh, I kind of got connected with you because of Jarrett Samuels. He's a, a host and the founder of the, the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, which I had Jarrett on here back in October of last year. And uh, he sent me a text as soon as we, as soon as he talked to you, and it's like, man, this guy's going to be a perfect fit for, for your <laughs> podcast. So I'm going to, so once I reached out to you, you're like, let's do it. So I was, I was, I'm excited to be able to, to be able to, t- to discuss your ministry today. Yeah. Well, of course, everybody has, you know, kind of their, their start. Everybody has, you know, that story of how they got into hunting and that kind of thing. You know, for me personally, uh, my dad started taking me hunting whenever I was a young teenager around the 13, 14 year old age, uh, in Owen County, which we were talking about before. And, um, you know, what, what does that kind of look like for you? Where did you start hunting? You know, who introduced you and that kind of thing? So I I did not start hunting until I was 15 years old. Uh, I grew up uh, in the tobacco fields of Eastern North Carolina, um, just South of Raleigh, a little place called Fuquay Varina. And, um, my, my dad actually did not hunt. He likes to fish, but he, he didn't hunt, but I worked on a tobacco farm, uh, actually from age 11 all the way up until college. And, uh, the farmer that I worked for, uh, his name was Bobby and he, he took me hunting, actually had a youth pastor, um, who took us hunting. If now you, you, of course they'd, they'd crucify you if you did something like this nowadays, but he, t- right. he took all the boys, uh, from our youth group on a overnight hunting trip on a piece of property. Uh, and that was really sort of some of my first, uh, memories of, of deer hunting. Now I, I was, I was smitten with white-tailed deer. We went to a place in the great Smokies mountain national park. When I was about 12, we went on a camping trip. This, this place is called Cade's Cove. And they had deer walking around like you just, I mean, it was just unbelievable, big bucks. And you could walk up to them and, and, you know, take their pictures. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Came back. I mean, I remember my AP biology class in high school, you had to pick one animal and you had to do this big report on it. Well, I picked the Otocoileus virginianus, which is, which is the white-tailed deer. And I've, I've just been in love with deer and deer hunting ever since then. Um, but, but it all started in North Carolina. I live now in South Carolina, um, which we've been here almost 20 years now. I have a a wife, Sharon. We've been married coming up on 22 years. We've got four kids, uh, three boys and a girl. Uh, my oldest son is 17. My second son's 15. My third son is 13 and my daughter is 11. And all of my kids enjoy hunting and fishing. The boys have all you know, really taken to hunting. My daughter, not so much, but she, she does enjoy fishing. Um, and just, just been a great way to, to get outdoors and spend time in God's creation. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got a, a six-year-old little boy and a four-year-old little girl. And I kind of see that same kind of trend with my kids as well Is that the, my son, he loves to be outdoors. He loves to hunt. He wants every time that, you know, hunting season's coming up, he wants to go out there with me and, you know, just, just be with me. I think we had boys naturally have this draw to go out into the outdoors and, you know, just, just be boys basically and of course girls do too and there's a lot of females that hunt there's a lot of women that are very good hunters and very efficient hunters but uh, i think it you know it's natural when it comes to boys and you know with my my girl she loves to fish too as long as we're catching anything but if there's any any few minutes where we're not catching something then she's off throwing something in the water (laughs) you're getting into something so (laughs) but yeah i could definitely see how that that same kind of trend with with my own kids (laughs) I'm I'm just now getting to a stage where I can take my oldest son with me on some out-of-state hunts. And, and last year, I got to take him to Adams County, Illinois, which was just incredible. And his eyes were just, you know, as big as golf balls every time a deer walked by. He saw the biggest deer of his life. He didn't get a, We were bow hunting. He didn't get a shot at it, but he saw a huge deer. And he said, Dad, it's just like on TV. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's kind of cool to start building memories with your kids. Um and it's and it's neat when they get a little older and you can take them out of state on some bigger trips which is which is a lot of fun oh yeah absolutely yeah that's something i'm already planning with my son is the to go out west and do some elk hunting and to do some different uh whitetail hunts and turkey hunts around you know different states and that kind of thing it's just a it's a good opportunity to you know get outside of the you know your traditional farm that or traditional area that you are hunting in and go out and see something new because i here in kentucky you know where I live, it's your rolling hills and that kind of thing. But you go out to Kansas and you can hunt the same species of animal, but it's a much different terrain. And I think it's good to kind of see those different terrains, not only just for kids, of course, but just for really just about everybody, anybody who enjoys hunting to see, you know, different terrain and be able to, you know, test their limits as far as being a hunter. I think it's a, it's definitely a good thing to, to try to do whenever possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So of course this, uh, you know, being, somebody who runs a ministry being somebody who is wanting to reach men and wanting to reach hunters, you know, what does your, your testimony of faith kind of look like as far as, you know, how did you come to know Jesus? And, you know, of course, how does, how's that, how is your ability to hunt, you know, getting out and, and hunting, how has that affected your relationship with God? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, <clears throat> um, we say we had a drug problem, uh, when I was growing up, I was drugged to church every time the doors were open, uh, which, which looking back was a great thing. I uh, accepted Christ um, when I was nine years old at a Christian camp in the mountains of North Carolina, a place called Teen Valley Ranch. And, uh, you know, through high school, I was very active in my youth group and um, college. I was very active in a, in a uh, Bible study that we had in college. And so I get out and get married and, and get settled in. And I was actually in uh, Frankfort, Kentucky, not terribly far from where you grew up. And, yeah. and one of the associate pastors in our church came to me and he said, look, he said, we got this, um, this couple's Sunday school class. Would you consider teaching? I said, Oh my God, man, I've never taught a Sunday school class before, man. That's, that's kind of intimidating, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, started teaching, loved it, you know, started getting into God's word and digging deeper. Cause you know, cause you got to be prepared, you know, come Sunday morning at, at 10 AM, you know, you got to have something to say to these people and at least um, yeah. facilitate a discussion. So um, in 2000 and uh, 2001, we ended up moving to Columbia, South Carolina, and we found a great Baptist church here in Columbia, South Carolina. And 
same thing. About the time I got there, you know, two, I'd been here a couple months and uh, they said, hey, we've got a couple Sunday school class and we heard that you used to teach at this other church. I'm, hey, I'd love to. So um, started teaching this, this Sunday school class and, and here's where the story gets interesting. Um, we had a problem in this Sunday school class. We didn't have any men. I mean, mm-hmm. it was me and one other guy named Nathan that was teaching. And it was maybe a couple of other men, but it was really a room full of women. And I just, I just, you know, it was like, what, what are we doing wrong? I mean, is it, is it our teaching style that they don't like? I mean, why is it that we can't get particularly younger men to attend, uh, not just to attend church, but to attend our Sunday school class? And so I would ask the ladies, I would say, well, where's, where's your husband? Oh, well, you know, he's a big bass fisherman and, you know, they're spawning right now and the fishing's really good. He's at the lake today. I said, oh, okay. And then come come the fall well you know it's the rut and he's in the woods and you know he hunts he's got to hunt seven days a week this time of year and you know then come the spring well it's you know turkey season's only in for about a month and he you know he's got to try to get his bird so we me and a few other guys we we came together and we said okay let's be intentional about this why don't we plan a weekend trip and this was in the spring of the year, why don't we plan a weekend trip to a world-class fishing destination that we have here in South Carolina? It's called Santee Cooper, the Santee Lakes. And let's be intentional about inviting so-and-so's husband to be there. And so we had the, the few guys that we did have, okay, a couple of them had boats. Hey, guy, hey, you can you bring your boat? Okay, yes, I had a boat back then. Uh, I've always had a boat but pretty much, but, you know, I had a little bass tracker. It wasn't anything fancy. And then we had one guy who was, who really loved to grill stuff. I said, Hey man, can you bring your grill and let's cook this particular weekend? So we, we ended up getting about 12 guys together at Santee for an entire weekend. Several of those guys were, were far from Christ. Okay. They just, they didn't care anything about church. They weren't there for um, the fishing. They were there for the fishing and (laughs) the food. I mean, they weren't atheist, but you know, they really right. weren't, weren't into God at all either. So after dinner, we were kind of planning this thing. I said, okay, we're going to do something more spiritual than just saying the blessing. Let's have, after dinner, let's have a manhood discussion. Not a sermon, you know, not a Bible study, um, not a worship service. Lord knows we're not going to ask anybody to sing. But let's, let's have a manhood discussion and let's talk about things that men need to talk about. All of the sudden, these guys who, who some of which we knew, you know, pretty well and other guys we really didn't know that well. All of a sudden, when you put them in the right atmosphere, they opened up and they started talking about, well, you know, let me tell you what I struggle with. And, and hey, man, my marriage, you know, it's, it's, it's about to fall apart. What, what do you guys think I should do? And it was it was the most powerful, genuine, authentic discussion that we had ever had as a group of men. And the and. Here's, here's one thing, one analogy I like to say. Um, our, our Sunday school class on Sunday morning, you know, that's a pretty intimidating atmosphere for a guy, particularly if he yeah. didn't grow up in church. I mean, it's just, it's a strange atmosphere. But you put that same guy uh, in a Bass Pro Shop, and it's, it's his kind of atmosphere. And I, I like to say that there's a place that where we go and we shop, and I can spend two hours in a Bass Pro Shop. It looks like a log cabin. Uh, there's turkey tracks printed on the on the asphalt walking into the front door. There's thousands of rod tips over here on one wall. There's hundreds of gun barrels up against this other wall. 
and and I can be there for two hours and not be, I'm not fatigued. I'm not tired. I'm just getting started. But if you put that same guy at old Navy or Coles <laughs> or any kind of department store, Macy's or whatever, man, 10 minutes, we're looking for somewhere to sit down, waiting on our wives, you know, back when we used to go to malls, I know that's, we're not doing that kind of thing right now, but right. so atmosphere bass pro shop sells atmosphere just as much as they sell product and Mm -hmm. that's if we're going to connect with men and the the mission statement of our ministry iron man outdoors is connecting men to christ in the outdoors if we're going to do that we've got to put guys in the right atmosphere to talk to them about christ and a hunting cabin a lake house a weekend getaway that's that's where we can do it yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. And, you know, I kind of feel that same kind of pull towards, you know, the Cabela's and the Bass Pro Shop is whenever I'm in there, you know, you're, you know that's exactly what it is. You're, you're feeling the atmosphere. You're in an area where you feel comfortable. This is like, this is, these are the things I want to look at. This is the stuff I'm interested in. But whenever my wife wants to go down to, you know, like you said, Old Navy or Coles or, you know, whatever else is over there. And that's whenever I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. But, but yeah, the atmosphere is definitely important. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head with, uh, you know, a Sunday school class, a, a traditional guy, like a guy who loves to get outdoors and who isn't necessarily, you know, overly spiritual and who isn't necessarily, you know, that tuned in to God yet. Uh, you know, the sitting in a, in a room with some people, with somebody teaching you about, you know, the Bible, it, it's, it's something that, you know, it's not a whole lot of guys are going to be able to relate to a whole lot. And, you know, they're just thinking about the watching the football game that's coming on after church. So I think that's a, that's pretty incredible that you guys were, that you, you prioritized men in the way that you're going to get them in an atmosphere that, you know, is suitable for them. So this thing grew and word spread that, you know, this, this Sunday school class, they take these trips for guys and the trips just got more elaborate, right? So um, we, we started doing deer hunts. We started doing hog hunts. Uh, we In South Carolina, we, we have a shrimp season where we can actually go out and catch, a recreational guy can catch a 48-quart cooler full of shrimp per day. So we started doing shrimping retreats. Uh, even when the, you know, a shrimping retreat's fun, but a shrimping retreat in the Charleston Harbor when there's a small craft advisory is even more fun because there's this element of danger and adventure and guys really like that. I'll tell you one quick story. Um, I had a neighbor, we lived in a subdivision um, and he was a great, great guy and enjoyed all of our talks out in the yard, you know, in the driveway. And uh, he found out about, about a hog hunt that we were going to do. And and there's tons of wild hogs in South Carolina. We got them in every County and they're a lot of fun to hunt. I mean, yes, they're detrimental to the, to the ecosystem, if you will, but, they're a lot of fun to hunt and they're delicious if you're, if you're yeah. cooking right. So <laughs> we took a hog hunting retreat and uh, he, this, I've been inviting this guy to church at this point for about three years. And his answer would always be, well, let me talk to my wife. I'll get back to you, which is kind of a polite way of saying, no, we're not coming. Mm-hmm. He found out about this hog hunt and he said, Hey man, I have always wanted to go on a hog hunt. Can I, can I come with you? I said, Hey man, you come on. We get down there in the woods and, and uh, Georgetown, South Carolina, in the swamps, and I think we killed seven hogs that weekend. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, but in the evenings, we had a manhood discussion each evening, and I had a uh, drill sergeant, um, an Army drill sergeant from Fort Jackson, which is right here in Columbia. He came on the retreat with us, and I said, hey, man, would you share your story 
this this evening during the manhood discussion and he he told his story and it, he'd had a rough background he had duis before he ever turned 21 he'd had you know lots of different women and everything before he found his wife and and he paid some consequences for for some of that sin and he shared he shared that story well you know greg my neighbor is listening to all of this and he says uh you know you know i could tell the whole weekend he didn't say a whole lot during those discussions but he was marinating on what he was hearing and then i could see it in his eyes so we come back um it was a thursday friday saturday retreat we come home saturday afternoon i had to borrow his pressure washer to to get the mud and the blood and everything out of my little bass tracker boat so we're, we're there in the yard pressure washing my boat after after being on this trip and he he looks at me and he says hey man you think it'd be okay for me and my wife to come to your Sunday school class tomorrow? I said, man, I would love that. You come. Mm-hmm. So he walks in the door at church Sunday morning. He'd never been there before. You know, it's a, a brand new atmosphere. Could could be intimidating. But he walks in the door of our church, and immediately there's six other guys there who were all on that weekend retreat. And we're laughing and cutting up about one guy pulled the trigger and didn't even have a, a bullet in his you know, didn't even have a round in the chamber. And, you know, we killed a big hog. We're talking about how how tough it was to get that thing out of the swamp. I mean, immediately Greg felt like part of the, part of the group. And that's as Christian men, we got to reach out to guys and we got to bring them in and, and make them feel like part of the group. So six months goes by and we me and Greg have a lot of conversations out in the yard about different things. And we say, Hey, you know, um, he asked me questions about the Bible and asked me questions about God. Well, what is this, you know, what is this, how can God be the father the son and the Holy spirit? How can he be all that at the same time? And, you know, so we, t- we had some pretty deep discussions about some of those things. Well, six months after that retreat, um, my pastor actually gave me a, a great honor and he let me baptize Greg, um, because Greg had put his faith in Christ. And, and that's a story to me that showed me that man these retreats they work and if we if we will do this the right way um we can connect men to christ in the outdoors and so fast forwarding a little bit more um 2007 a guy came on a retreat and he looked me right in the eyes and he said this could be bigger than just your sunday school class and i started thinking huh you know he might be right about that so um, I, I got the guys from sort of the leaders of the class together, and I said, hey, let's, let's form a 501c3. Let's form a nonprofit. None of us had ever done that before. We had no clue what we were doing. But, you know, let's form a ministry called Ironman Outdoors, and, and let's try to do some more of these retreats, and let's get insurance. You know, it's hard to have a hunting ministry without insurance, and that was a kind of a big step because that, that meant everybody had to cough up some money to be able to pay for it. Um, and I'll tell you one other quick story from the early days. We, we didn't have any property to hunt. I mean, it, you know, as much as I would, I, I thought in my mind that we could lease some property, um, but leases are very expensive and we didn't have yeah. a whole lot of money at, at any, any rate. But I had one guy who knew a landowner down in Somerton, South Carolina. And I arranged a meeting with Mr. Phillips. I think Mr. Phillips owned about 2,000 acres. And I went down to Santee and we ate at Clark's restaurant. I took time off of work that day at lunch and drove down there. And I, you know, Mr. Phillips was an older gentleman and I I poured my heart out. I mean, I I really, I said, Hey, we know this thing works. We we've done it in my Sunday school class. We're ready to go a little bit bigger with it. Would you please lease us about five or 600 acres of your property? And we'll do these retreats. We'll have these manhood discussions. We, you know, 
we'll hang the stands, we'll plant the food plots, we'll do it all. He said, um, he, you know, he's an older gentleman, and I talk kind of fast for a guy from the South. And <laughs> Mr. Phillips does not talk fast. And there was this long, awkward pause. And he said, Patrick, I like what you're doing, but I don't lease out my land. And I said, God, you know, I was already thinking to myself, well, if you know of anybody else, you know, give me their number. Mm -hmm. He said, he said, hold on a minute. He said, I won't lease it to you, but I'll give it to you for one weekend in the fall. And there's like fireworks going off in my head and the verse that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, you know, that comes to mind. Gosh, you know, we, we could work with Christian landowners who would give us, we don't, not necessarily a lease, but they would give it to us for one or two weekends during the hunting season. And in, in the early days, that really changed the way we changed our whole approach to the ministry. And Mr. Phillips, you know, he didn't just give us five or 600 acres. He gave us all of his property and put the corn out for us, um, had the stands all ready to go. He had his son kind of help us like a guide, if you will. And, you know, Christian landowners, a lot of them, they really do want their property to be used for the kingdom but they want you to do it in the right way. And, and that's what we've tried to do is, is to do it in the right way and have insurance um, and, you know, have our safety discussions. Um, everybody's wearing orange. We're, you know, you don't get out of your stand until we come back and get you. All these things are, you know, you don't load the gun until you sit down in the stand. Um, but that that approach really changed our ministry in the in the early days. Now, fast forward 13 years later, and we've got some great leases uh, all over the country. We've got some in Western Kentucky, not, you know, just a couple hours from you. Mm-hmm. Um, we have six different farms, about 1200 acres that we lease in Ohio and Hopkins County, Kentucky. And last year, a guy killed 195 inch deer, um, with the bow on one of our retreats on one of our leases. So that's awesome. Yeah. God, <laughs> God has just blessed it. I mean, it's what, what started in my Sunday school class, uh, has now grown to where we're doing retreats in about 11 different states. We have a, about 85 pro staffers, we call them. Those are volunteers that help us um, lead our retreats. And uh, and this year, uh, if the coronavirus doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't put a damper on it, we're going to have 28 different deer hunting retreats, um, 28 different weekends this fall in different places where we'll have retreats. And that's you know to God be the glory, man. We're just thankful that He lets us be a part of it. That's incredible that it's grown that much, and you guys are going to have 28 just this year. That's that's insane. That's awesome. I remember one year we had three deer hunt retreats, and we all sat there and <laughs> said, "Gosh, you think we can pull this off?" <laughs> <laughs> but I think you. I mean, you can definitely be a testament to this. But I think you know, it sounds like from hearing your story that the reason that it's so successful is because you kept God at the center of it. Like I think so many people, they'll uh, they try to do their own thing, and they'll, even like with ministry and even with you know, all kinds of stuff, their business or whatever, you know, they, they try to do their own thing with it. And they kind of use the, the, uh, idea of God kind of as a, like a marketing slogan, but you guys had God in the heart of the entire project. And that's, it sounds like that's why it's, you know, having the success that it's having. Listen, we love to kill big deer and we love to hunt big deer and hogs yeah. and we do some fishing retreats and stuff, but it's not about the deer. It is about a divine appointment that we have this guy for a whole weekend and we get, we got him in the pickup truck, riding to the stand. We got him on the back of the tailgate when we're cleaning his deer. We've got him during those manhood discussions. We've got him, you know, late at night. Sometimes the best discussions occur after the manhood discussion. 
and a guy yeah. will come up to me and I, I've had guys come up to me and say, Hey man, you know, tonight we talked about marriage. Um, I had one guy, a story comes to mind. Um, we had a big discussion on marriage one night. I really, you know, being a godly husband and what that means and how you're supposed to lead, but also how you're supposed to serve. And this guy got real convicted and I could see it on his face. He didn't say much during the discussion, but this guy, something was going on on the inside. He calls me on Monday after the retreat. The retreat was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He calls me on Monday and he says, I just want to thank you. I said, Hey man, well, you know, I'm glad you had a good time on the retreat. He said, no, he said, I had already called my brother and me and the wife had had a fight. And he said, I was going to my brother's house when I came home off of that hunt. I wasn't going back home. He said, but you know what? We had that discussion that night about marriage. And he said, I realized that, that, you know, a lot of these problems that we're having are because of me. And he said, I went home and apologized to my wife. And he said, we're, we're, you know, we still got a lot of work to do. He said, but I'm here with her. We're together. We're not, we're not separated like we were going to be before the retreat. So, yeah. you know, lives are changed on these retreats and um, it's not just about the deer. Yeah, that's awesome. That's incredible. And, you know, you've mentioned this idea of the, uh, you know, the whole manhood discussions and that kind of thing. And what does that kind of look like? You know, what are some of the topics you guys cover? You know, do you have a, I don't know, maybe like a, a, a way, a strategy of going about it? Or is it just something you guys have a topic and just start opening up about it? How, what does that kind of look like for these retreats? Yeah, so we're very intentional about those discussions, and we want everything to be just right. We want, um, <laughs> I know it sounds kind of petty, but we have a schedule, and if yeah. you shoot if you shoot a deer with your bow, um, you know, 10 minutes before dark, and I come and pick you up from the stand, unless he's laying there, you know, we're not going to go look for that deer. We're not going to go track that deer. Best thing you can do is let it lay. We're going to go back to the lodge. We're going to have our dinner ready. And dinner is going to be ready as soon as those guys walk in the door. And then we're going to have our manhood discussion right after. And then if we need to go track a deer, we'll take three or four guys and we'll go track a deer at 10 o'clock that night. Yeah. But um, these manhood discussions, they touch on different parts of a man's life. So we'll talk about being a godly father. And I will text the guys while they're in the stand that afternoon. Hey, guys, while you're in the stand this afternoon, I want you to think about one good thing that you learned from your dad. And then I want you to think about one not so good thing that you learned from your dad. And I've got guys kind of, you know, their wheels are turning while they're sitting in the woods. And then we come back that night and, and have the manhood discussion. And we'll go around the room and have everybody share just a little bit about their father. And that gets people to open up and, and kind of, we, we say, you got to take the camo off, right? Um, I know how to act in front of my mother-in-law. And so do you. I know how to act in front of the boss at the staff meetings on Monday mornings. I know how to act in front of the guys on Saturdays at the hunting club. And I know how to act in front of the preacher on Sunday at church. But what I'm really doing is I'm putting on different patterns of camo to blend into my surroundings, right? And men, you know, we're masters right, of that. Yeah. But, you know, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. We really believe that means somebody's got to see you without your camo on. And these manhood discussions where we've, we've created this atmosphere, you know, most of the places we go, your cell phone doesn't even work. You're away from your kids. You're away from your job. You're away from your family. And we allow guys to take off their camo. And 
it never fails on most every retreat. You know, a guy will start off and he'll say something like this. Man, what I'm about to tell you guys, I've never told anybody before. And that's when I know we're really, we're really penetrating his heart and we're getting down to the meat of it. But we'll talk about being a godly father. We'll talk about being a godly husband. Like I'll text the guys in the stand. Um, hey, on a scale of one to 10, what do you think? How do you think your marriage is? You know, and they can think about it. And that, then that night we'll talk about, hey, you know, what does a, what does a good marriage look like? And is a good marriage just the absence of, of conflict? I mean, it's just because you're not fighting, does that mean you really have a good marriage? And it's, it's great because you, you'll have different men in the room of different ages. And, you know, sometimes we'll have some older guys, you know, in their 60s or 70s. And they'll say, hey, you know, I've been married 50 years. And let me tell you, here's, here's the key to a good marriage. Both of you have to be good at forgiving. Mm-hmm. And younger men need to hear it. And older men need to speak truth into younger men's lives. And that's just a, that's just a, great, a great blessing. But when you rub shoulders with other guys in that manhood discussion, you begin to see that, hey, you know, other guys are doing it a little bit differently. You know, Proverbs 21, all of a man's ways seem innocent to him. In other words, Patrick thinks Patrick's doing it right. Right. But yeah. when you rub shoulders with other guys and you're like, wow, you know, just, just recently I was talking to a guy and he told me that he's doing every Sunday evening, his kids are grown and they have children of their own. Every Sunday evening, he's leading a Zoom Bible study because they can't visit right now. They can't, their children live far away places and they can't, they're doing a Zoom Bible study every Sunday evening for his family and he's leading it. I said, wow, that's awesome. You know? Yeah, so we, we need to sharpen each other in the, in those kind of ways. Is that the, kind of the motivation behind the name Iron Man Outdoors? Is that, that verse iron sharpens iron? Yes, we do not run any triathlons. And yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'd have a, as good of a turnout, maybe. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's a lot of people who like to do that too, but that's true. Uh, we're more of a hook and bullet crowd. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah, that, uh, you know, that creating vulnerability, you know, I think that's something that a lot of men steer away from. I, I know me personally, and you know, with the experiences with other men as well, is that the idea of being vulnerable, it's, something that is very uncomfortable for a lot of men and um you know creating those those environments i guess it kind of goes back to this what you were saying before creating that environment where they are comfortable and comfortable enough to be vulnerable you know it opens up the heart of of what's really inside of inside of men and you know hearing you go kind of go through that discussion you're you're always uh like the manhood discussions it's reminded me a lot of the book wild at heart by john eldridge one of my favorite absolute favorite books and you know having those topics where you're discussing your relationship with your father whether good or bad and then you're you know discussing your marriage or the idea of marriage and you're uh, discussing how to be a father and those kind of things those are all topics that are kind of discussed in his book and you know that that's just kind of the first thing that that i thought of whenever you're kind of going through that. And I think it just speaks to men's heart in a way that, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess churches and and classes and that kind of thing aren't really able to kind of reach because of that, going back to that same thing, as far as the environment goes. We are always trying to direct men back to church. Okay. So we, Ironman Outdoors is not a church. We come alongside of churches to try to help them get more guys you know, active in their faith and leading their families. I'll, I'll tell you a good, another good story. I got an email from a guy 
in from Long Island. Um, his, his first name is Sab. And he sends me this email. Hey, do you have to be a Christian to come on this South Carolina hog hunt that you guys are hosting? I said, <laughs> I said absolutely not. You do not. Just come on. We'd love to have you. So Sab drives all the way from Long Island to Gallivance Ferry, South Carolina, which is very close to Myrtle Beach. And we have permission there to hunt a really beautiful piece of property. Sab shows up with a cooler full of beer in the back of his truck. <laughs> and one of our pro staffers says, Hey man, let's just, let's just leave that in the truck. Come on inside, man. Let's, you know, let's, we, we went out hunting. We had those manhood discussions. Well, Sab really got a lot out of that weekend and he drove home. He, he spent the night, you know, back, going back up the East Coast towards Long Island. He spent the night at a hotel, stole the Gideon's Bible out of the hotel room and started reading it. And he started <laughs> he started thinking about all the things that we talked about on that manhood discussion and about how you'll never be the kind of husband that God wants you to be. You'll never be the kind of father that God wants you to be until you have a relationship with his son, Jesus. Yeah. And Sab was, was, he, he, he calls me later on that week and says, I want to know more. How, how, what do you mean when you say have a right relationship with God? What, what does that mean? And so through a series of phone calls, both with, with me and with some of our pro staffers who were there that weekend, Sab ended up accepting Christ um, in, from Long Island, New York, um, because all because now he wanted to come on a cheap hog hunt. That's that. I mean, he, he was pretty honest about it. That's the only reason I came and he went home with so much more. Um, it changed his eternity and changed his family also. Well, I think he would definitely agree that, you know, God had a plan for that whole arrangement. You know, <laughs> he thought he was going to go down there and drink some beer and shoot some hogs, but no, that's his right. life was changed forever. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's a great story. <laughs> and then we actually helped him. We helped him find some good Bible believing churches on long Island. And, and, Believe it or not, there's not <laughs> apparently there's not as many churches up there as there are in the South. But we we got Sab connected to a local church because we are we do not take the place of church. We want guys yeah. actively plugged into their local church. Yeah, and it's it sounds like it's definitely a, a great doorway to kind of open up that the whole spiritual side of of men. And I think whenever men, you know, I talk about it a lot on this podcast, but being spiritual and being somebody who has a relationship with God, I think that's you know, whenever you hear those that word spiritual, I think a lot of people kind of red flags go up and they they kind of start to think, you know, I don't know what what spiritual necessarily means. So, you know, in your kind of opinion based on your experiences and your ministry and everything, what do you think it means to be kind of a spiritual man? Well, particularly for hunting, <clears throat> when you sit in the woods early in the morning before the sun comes up and it's quiet and it's still, and then maybe 15 minutes or so before the sun rises, you start to hear the birds and you start to hear the squirrels and you see that sunrise popping up and you see God's beautiful creation you know, Romans 1.20, it tells yeah. us when we see the beauty of this, we are without excuse. And I think hunters and fishermen are even more aware of God's creation because they see it. They're out in it. And they know that this didn't happen by accident. This this wasn't a big bang that just created all this and, and, and sustains it and keeps it all in motion. Right. Uh, to me, the outdoors, you know, even the rocks cry out, you know, is what King David said. Yeah, absolutely. As soon as you started going into that, the first thing I thought of was Romans one twenty, right before you said that. And of course I'm thinking, thinking of like Hebrews 11, three. And then of course, you know, even whenever Jesus was coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he said that even the rocks will cry out if these people don't like, yeah. it's just, it's just a, a, 
you know, it's, it's so incredible how, you know, God, the creator was able to put all this stuff together and, you know, put us right in the middle of it and give us dominion over these things and, you know, make us the, the kind of the top dog as far as his creation goes. And, you know, he did it with that, the purpose of being able to, to know him. And that's, that's incredible that you've, you've, uh, you know, really prioritized that with your, with your ministry. And as, as beautiful as the creation is, we don't worship the creation. We worship right. the creator. And, and I'll tell you a real quick story. We had this deer in on a, on a farm in Ohio County, Kentucky. His name was Brutus. We had three years of trail camera pictures of Brutus. Brutus was an unbelievable mainframe 12 pointer tall, not terribly wide. I think he was only about 18 inches wide, just a beautiful buck, tall tine length, bunch of junk coming off of each antler. We had found two of his sheds from two previous years. Well, we hung a stand. We had a work weekend in Kentucky where a bunch of our volunteers, I think we had 23 different volunteers that were there that weekend. And we sort of, we knew where Brutus was that block of woods that he was kind of hanging out in. And we went deep into that block of woods further than we'd ever been. Couldn't get a Polaris in there. We toted this millennium ladder stand in there, about six of us. And we had to take turns toting the thing because we had so far to walk in there. Hung that stand. A guy from Alabama came on a retreat um, November the 1st, 2019. At five o'clock in the evening, Brutus steps out right in 15 yards from the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Terry was the guy who killed it. He, he puts one arrow in Brutus. Brutus is kind of, you know, flopping around. He kind of spined him. He said, oh gosh, I need to put another arrow in him. Second arrow, he misses the deer, shoots right over his back. I mean, the deer's laying on the ground, but <laughs> shoots right over his back. And so gets down out of the stand. He's only got three arrows. Okay. That's all he had with him was three arrows. Gets down, climbs on the ground, trying not to spook the deer so they'll run off and we never see him again. And finally gets a third arrow in him. And, when he laid hands on that buck, he's like, oh, my gosh, this is unbelievable. We were all instantly, our phones were blowing up. And, I, you know, we got like a private group on Facebook where all of our pro staffers are like, hey, guys, Brutus is down. We got Brutus. We got hands on Brutus. This deer, um, he's, he green scored 202 inches. Okay. Oh man. This is, this is free ranging. There is no, in fact, this is only a few hundred yards from public land, by the way, but it's on our property that we lease. Um, this buck after the, after the drying period, we had an outdoor writer who went to the taxidermy office and has, has written an article that you're going to read pretty soon in a national hunting magazine about Brutus. And he, he, uh, his official score was 195 and some change. He was, I think he's number, depending on which, depending on which list you look at, I think he's number seven for Kentucky all time with a bow and arrow. That's awesome. Um, And we think he may have been the biggest buck killed with a bow last season in the state of Kentucky, which is saying a lot because Kentucky produces some great deer. But anyway, we made a little video about it. And if you go to our website, ironmanoutdoors.org, you'll see some stuff about Brutus. And in the video, the guy who killed it from Alabama, his name's Jason, he he put it best. He said, as, as magnificent a deer as this is. And he said, I'll, I'll probably never kill a bigger deer than Brutus. He said, the best part about it is it gives us a platform to talk to other people about Jesus Christ and, and how we worship the creator, not the creation. And uh, we just, uh, Oh, by the way, he paid $550 to come on that retreat. I get that question sometimes about, well, how much are your retreats? We're not outfitters. 
Um, we're all volunteers. Um, I do this full time in ministry, but I have to raise my own support to be able to do it. So the cost of our retreat is really just paying for the cost of the leases and, you know, the stands and the trail cameras and the insurance and that sort of stuff. But most of our retreats are very, very, well, all of our retreats are affordable, but, you know, we have some, some three day, two night hog hunts here in South Carolina as cheap as 350 bucks. And some of our deer hunts are, you know, 500, 600, 700 bucks. Um, and that's everything, your meals, your lodging, um, you got to buy your license and you got to get here, but we take care of everything once you get here. And so it's, uh, it's been popular and, and we're just, we appreciate the guys who continue to come on our retreats and, and who tell their friends about it. Yeah, it's really not a bad price. I mean, considering, you know, the experiences that you're going to have over those few days and the, the stories that you're going to be telling for the rest of your life. And you compare that to, you know, some other prices of, like you were saying, you know, like outfitters, which you're not an outfitter, but you know, whenever people kind of look at those prices, you know, they can be well up into the four digit numbers and, you know, to again, kind of compare that to the experiences that you're going to have when you're out there based on what you're saying, it sounds like it's, it's not a bad price at all. And it's definitely worth the investment for, for people that are interested in that. Oh, if you, if you're trying to hunt a deer like Brutus, uh, with an outfitter, you might pay eight or $10,000 depending yeah. on where you're at in the country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's great though, man. I, I'm definitely going to put that, uh, the link for the story of Brutus. I'll sure. put it in the show yeah. notes for this. That way Appreciate people that. can kind of check it out there. And uh, I've got your, uh, website pulled up here and I'm kind of looking at it right now and it's, that's pretty awesome. That's uh, you guys were able to kind of get that pulled off and that's, that's great. But man, I got a couple more questions for you kind of, as we're kind of closing down here. Sure. Um, this one, I don't, I don't think I really kind of, uh, prepped you for it because I just thought of it kind of as you were kind of going through everything, but you know, what are some things that, that men can do today? You know, whenever you turn on the news, whenever you get on social media, it sounds like the world's falling apart. So, you know, what is in, in your opinion, what are some things that men can do right now to really make a difference within their home, make a difference within their church and, you know, just basically be the man that God has, has called them to be. Yeah. <clears throat> the first thing I tell guys is, you know, you got to be reading God's word. God speaks to us through his word. <clears throat> he does not speak to us through field and stream or North American whitetail or, you know, whatever videos you're watching. I mean, he can, but primarily God speaks to us through his word. <clears throat> and guess what? Pandemic or no pandemic, God's word was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It does not change. The truth that is in his word does not change. And we can take comfort in that. And by the way, what does his word tell us more than anything else? It says, fear not. Yep. That phrase is in the Bible more than anything else. So that's one thing we need to keep in mind right now. We need to pray with your family and for your family. And that can be just as simple as saying the blessing before your meal. And that could mean you holding your wife's hand at night or first thing in the morning uh, or right before you go to bed and say, honey, how can I pray with you? How can I pray for you? That's what being the spiritual leader of your home, that, that's kind of what it looks like. And, and then being with your family in church, I know it's difficult right now for us to, to all be in church and some of our churches yeah. here are opening back up and some of them aren't and everybody's got different opinions on, on all of this, but we need to be continue to be leading our family spiritually. And just because we may not be sitting in the pew 
we need to have our family gathered up, everybody out of the bed, everybody's had breakfast, and at 10.30 or 11 or whatever time your service starts, even if it's online, we need to be in the living room, and dad needs to be there with them. And if you take it seriously, they'll take it seriously. That's been my experience. Now, as our kids get older, and my kids are older than yours, they're going to make their own choices, right? And we're, we, uh, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to point them in the right direction. I'm trying to, um, you know, like, uh, like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. I'm trying to launch my kids out on target. Um, ultimately they're going to make choices. They may stray, right? They may make some choices that we don't agree with, but if our foundation is solid and they, they've seen mom and dad and how they act and they've seen how important church is to mom and dad, and how important God is in our lives. Um, they'll come back to it, even if even if they stray. I believe they'll come back, and that's that's our prayer, and that's that's what we can do. We can pray for our family, lead our families, and we need to be reading God's word or listening to God's word. There's there's so, never before in the history of mankind have we had such great access to God's word. We've got all these different kinds of podcasts like you're doing. Um, You can listen to Rick Warren and Daily Hope. Um, You can listen to sermons from other people. You can, you can get a Bible uh, verse texted to your phone every morning. I mean, we've got tremendous access. We just need to take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. We we live in an uh, incredibly, you know, unique time period right now where we're able to have the kind of access that, you know, a hundred years ago, even, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that people didn't have access to, to these kinds of things back then. And, you know, I think that's, that's something that hopefully we don't take for granted. Hopefully it's something that we take advantage of. And, um, you know, as, as men within the household and as, uh, spiritual leaders within the household, hopefully that's something that, that, uh, men can continue to be able to take advantage of. And, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I kind of thought of that as you were kind of going through and it's just, I was interested in kind of seeing what you, what you said, because like I said, with, everything going on right now, you know, it seems like the, it seems like the world's falling apart, but we promise it's not God's in control. It's, it seems like the world's out of control, but in reality, you know, we were never really in control anyways. God's always been in control. And it's, that's right. That's, that's the, that's the, the, uh, I guess the point that I'm trying to make with that. But, you know, like I said, as we're kind of winding down here, this is a, I got one question for you and this is, you know, something I always ask my guests and it's something I love hearing, uh, your guys' responses as far as, the the answer to this question goes but my final question for you is what does hunting mean to you i saw that question on there and and i on what you had sent me and i said you know it means a lot to me a lot of different things through different stages of my life and i'll I'll be brief but you know when i was 15 years old and that first six-pointer walked out and i shot him and that was my first buck Man, I, I felt like I was on Mount Everest. I mean, wow, you know. <clears throat> when I was 21 <clears throat> in college, and I killed a seven-pointer with my bow, and it was the first deer that I ever killed with my bow, man, I, I was on Mount Everest. Man, it was all about it. And then in my in my mid-20s, uh, late-20s, man, it was all about antlers. <clears throat> you know, yeah. if I killed a 130 this year, I wanted to kill a 140 next year. You know, that it was all about the antlers. Things have changed over time, and, and as, a, as a hunter, I think you mature in this process. It is no longer about the antlers. It is no longer about pulling the trigger for me. It is about being there 
with my eight-year-old son, my oldest son, when he was eight, killing his first doe with a crossbow. It was about being with my second son when he, when the eight-pointer walked out and he and I were sitting there together and he's like, Dad, can I shoot it? Yes. It was about being with my 11-year-old two years ago when he accepted Christ in the ground blind with me praying right there with him. We Shoot, there could have been 15 deer out there and we wouldn't have even known it. Mm-hmm. In that moment, he accepted Christ in a ground blind. It was time spent with dad. And you can never, you can never get rid of those memories. You can never, I mean, nobody can take that from me. And that was as great a trophy as you'll ever have in the woods. Absolutely. Now I use hunting as a tool. It's a tool for evangelism. Really? We're, we're, these guys are coming on these hunts because they want to kill a deer like Brutus and they, and they got a good, they got a chance, you know, but, I see it as a divine appointment that God is going to, God's orchestrating who he wants to have on these retreats. And we need to be faithful and obedient to not only have a great hunt with them, but to share Christ with them and to connect men to Christ in the outdoors and to help them be a better father and a, and a godly husband and, and just rub shoulders with them and, and, you know, be there with them. So as way more of a different answer than you probably thought you were going to get when you said, what does hunting mean to you? But, um, it's, it's been a real blessing in my life and, and I'm thankful for every hunt. And I pray that as long as I'm on earth, that, that God will allow me to, to be able to hunt. No, that's, that's why exactly why I like asking that question at the end of the conversation It's just because, uh, everybody has their own, you know, kind of meaning as far as what hunting means to them. We all have our own story as far as, you know, being able to, connect with God out in the outdoors. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever almost cried on a podcast, but (laughs) that that may be the first time. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) But no, that's what, that's exactly why I I like asking that question at the end, because I've had people from all over the country and really all of the world, you know, on this podcast as guests and everybody has a different answer. And I think it's just a testament to, you know, how we're able to connect with our creator and how we're able to use the outdoors and be able to use, you know, podcasts like this and be able to use ministries like yours and be able to use all of our stories to point back to God and be able to, to tell our story through the lens of, of, you know, God's effect on our life. And that's, that's exactly why I love asking that question. You know, I think you see a lot of these, these trends nowadays where, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, a lot of people were, they were all about the antlers. They're all about the monster bucks. I mean, there was even a DVD series about, you know, called monster bucks where people I went out to these. I every one cr- of them. I've got exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where people would go out and they shoot these monster deer. But I mean, I, th- I think you're kind of seeing a shift nowadays where people are, you know, they're, they're prioritizing time in the woods to spend with family and to, you know, provide meat for their family and their friends and to enjoy the experience more rather than, you know, stressing about how many inches of antler you're going to be putting on the ground. I think you're seeing that a lot lately. And, you know, I appreciate that, that response. Definitely. Absolutely. Let me, let me just tell your listeners, if you're interested in being a part of Ironman Outdoors and seeing what we got going on, you can go to ironmanoutdoors.org is our website. You can click on upcoming retreats and you can see, I don't, I don't have all 28 of them listed yet, but you can see a whole bunch of deer hunts that are coming up this fall. 
Um, we're taking all kind of COVID-19 precautions and we're reducing the size of our retreats so that we can have enough beds and spread out a little bit. Um, so that, you know, that that's a good thing. You can check us out on social media. We have a really big presence on Facebook, um, Iron Man Outdoors. I think we have like 168,000 followers on Facebook and you'll that's see awesome. us do, uh, we do some gun raffles periodically on there. And so, you know, love for you to buy a ticket and help support the ministry and, and win some great guns along the way. And then we have a YouTube channel also and uh, Instagram and, and Twitter as well. So uh, check out Iron Man Outdoors. All right. Awesome. I'll make sure I have all that information down in the show notes. I'm writing it down right now so I can make sure that I have all that stuff in the show notes for this episode. That way anybody who's interested in checking out what you're doing as far as uh, Iron Man Outdoors and they want to connect with you on social media, as I already have, <laughs> then uh, I'll make sure that they have that information down there. And I appreciate you being on the Rise Kelly podcast with me today, Patrick. Thank you, Tyler. It's been a privilege, man. Well, there you go, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Elite podcast today and my conversation with Patrick of Iron Man Outdoors. If you guys found any value from today's episode, go ahead and scroll down to your podcast platform that you're listening on and leave me a rating and review. These ratings and reviews go a long way in helping the show grow organically. Thank you to you all that have already left me a rating and review. That is greatly appreciated. So to help us continue to grow this movement and be able to continue to grow what the Rice Elite is all about and be able to share the conversations with as many people as possible, leave a rating and review. That way we can continue to grow organically and it would be greatly appreciated. So be sure to check out the Rice Elite podcast next week with another great conversation. Thank you.